we're in Proverbs 25 tonight. Um, we are going to do First and Second Timothy once we finish Proverbs, which is going to be somewhere in December. We should be wrapping it up, I guess. Um, so anyway, it's been an exciting study. How many of you enjoyed Proverbs? A lot of practical stuff. I love practical stuff. Uh, how-to stuff, things you should do, things you shouldn't do. Uh, and tonight is similar, uh, some, I think, practical wisdom. Um, so let's pray and ask the Lord to give us wisdom and, and how to apply this. Lord, we come to you in your precious name. Holy Spirit, speak to us tonight, Lord. We open ourselves up to you and say, Lord, we desire to be used we desire to know you. We desire to learn about you, Lord. We understand that who you are to us is more important than anything else. Far more important than what we do or where we go or what we accomplish. Lord, always help us to put knowing you and understanding our relationship with you more important than anything else. And Lord, I ask for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to speak through me and to speak to every person. And Lord, I just say, I need your help. I need your wisdom, your direction, Lord. Help me to say the things that need to be said so that your Holy Spirit can bring life and healing and application for our life. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. What we're going to do, what we've been doing is we're going to read through the entire chapter. We're going to come back uh, and we're going to look at some certain sections of it. I believe that hopefully areas we haven't covered so far, because, um, again, in every Proverbs, there's a lot of repetitive stuff. And so these are some more Proverbs of Solomon. I'm believing this is... Um, all the wisdom Solomon had, and he wrote down, I'm believing it, it was near the beginning of his life before he had 700 wives, because uh, after that he lost everything. Uh, and so we, we're just going to believe that the Lord would give us wisdom from his wisdom. Verse 1, there are more Proverbs, of, these are more Proverbs of Solomon collected by the advisors of King Hezekiah of Judah. Now, that immediately tells us historically that these had to be collected 200 years after uh, Solomon because Hezekiah's uh, was 200 years after Solomon. It is, good, it is God's privilege to conceal things and the king's privilege to discover them. No one can comprehend the height of heaven, the depth of the earth, or all that goes on in the king's mind. Remove the impurities from silver and the sterling will be ready for the silversmith. Remove the wicked from the king's court, and his reign will be made secure by justice. Don't demand an audience with the king or push for a place among the great. It's better to wait for an invitation to the head table than to be sent away in public disgrace just because you've seen something. Don't be in a hurry to go to court. For what will you do in the end if your neighbor deals you a shameful defeat? And when arguing with your neighbor, don't betray another person's secret. Others may accuse you of gossip, 
and you will never regain your good reputation. Timely advice is lovely, like golden apples in a silver basket. To one who listens, valid criticism is like a gold earring or other gold jewelry. Trustworthy messengers refresh like snow in the summer. They revive the spirit of their employer. A person who promises a gift but doesn't give it is like clouds and wind that bring no rain. Patience can persuade a prince, and soft speech can break bones. Do you like honey? Don't eat too much or it'll make you sick. Don't visit your neighbors too often or you're where at your welcome. A lot of wisdom there. Fish and company stinketh in three days. Telling lies about others is as harmful as hitting them with an axe, wounding them with a sword, or shooting them with a sharp arrow. Telling lies about others is as harmful as hitting them with an axe. Wow. Wounding them with a sword or shooting them with a sharp arrow. Putting confidence in an unreliable person in times of trouble is like chewing with a broken tooth or walking on a lame foot. Singing cheerful songs to a person with a heavy heart is like taking someone's coat in cold weather or pouring vinegar in a wound. If your enemies are hungry, give them food to eat. If they're thirsty, give them water to drink. As you, And you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads and the Lord will reward you. You see some of those same uh, mentions in the New Testament, very similar to verse 22. As surely as a north wind brings rain, so a gossiping tongue bring, causes anger. It's better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. Now, men, do not say amen. Just keep your mouth shut right there. Don't get in trouble. Good news from far away is like cold water to the thirsty. If the godly give in to the wicked, it's like polluting a fountain or mudding a spring. Not good to eat too much honey. It's not good to seek honors for yourself. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. So a collection of wise sayings. Uh, There are lots and lots of repeated things in the book of Proverbs. There's a constant theme of. Getting along with others. How do you get along with others? And in Proverbs 25, one thing that's mentioned several times, and actually we've seen it in several Proverbs, and that is our neighbor. You ever thought about who your neighbor is? And then Proverbs really gives us, not only here but in other areas, gives us some great insight about how to treat your neighbor. We're going to talk about that tonight. But first of all, I want to uh, I want to go all the way to the New Testament because there was a religious leader. Some translations say he was a lawyer. Some say he was a religious leader. But he was trying to get out of what Jesus was asking. 
about taking care of your neighbor and loving your neighbor. And so his comment is, well, who is my neighbor? So I want us to see that story and and what Jesus says afterwards. It's in Luke chapter 10. One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, if you must love, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right. Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? You know, he's, he's trying to say, you mean I'm supposed to do this to everybody? You know, is this, is this a way I'm supposed to treat everybody? So he's going to try and, I guess, get Jesus to narrow it down. If he's going to have to treat everybody like this, you know, it's going to be difficult. So he's saying, okay, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells an interesting story. You've probably read the story before. Jesus replied with a story. Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. He was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed by him. And more than likely, if the priest did that, he was a Jewish priest. And for the Jewish priest, uh, he saw a man who was unclean. And they were told, uh, you, you know, if he's a priest and he touches an unclean person, uh, then he really can't do any ministry for a minimum of seven days. So he just said, you know, hey, I'm not going to get involved in this. And I don't want to get myself unclean and have to go through the ceremonial uh, cleansing thing. So he just went to the other side of the road and ignored it. Temple assistant walked over, looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. So he didn't want to get involved either. Then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil, wine, and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. So instead of trapping Jesus, Jesus turned it right back to him and really gave him no wiggle room. He's saying this is the way we're to take care of people. That we're to be moved with compassion. All these things that this last Samaritan. And the Samaritan, uh, you have to realize, you know, it's true. They were hated. They were considered the half-breeds. They were the ones that the Jews and the Gentiles had mixed. Uh, And they were kind of doing their own thing. And they they believed they had their own place of worship. Uh, So the Jews hated them. Thought they had polluted uh, the pure word of God and so they had absolutely nothing to do with Samaritans and not by chance Jesus said this man that cared for them was a Samaritan and so the question was who is my neighbor 
And so the answer that Jesus is trying to say, you know, a neighbor is someone who cares about you, someone who reaches out, someone, you know, we have this modern understanding of neighbor as somebody that's in close proximity to us. You know, if they live a a, a couple of houses down, we think that's my neighbor. Well, in biblical understanding, that's not a neighbor. Just close proximity really means nothing. And you and I both know that you can have people who live fairly close to you and you don't even know them and they don't even know you. So Jesus is trying to say that if we're going to act like a neighbor, then we have to care about people who are hurting. That we have to get out of our comfort zone and be willing to get involved in the lives of other people. And all through Proverbs 24 and other places in Proverbs, it really deals with how do we treat our neighbor. And before we actually look at, and there are four things that, that are so clear here in Proverbs 25, but I, I want to ask you this question. Why is it important? Why is it important that we learn how to treat our neighbor? What do you think? Why is that important? Tracy? Okay. So if you took the example of the Samaritan who cared for the man who was wounded, it was the way that wounded man saw somebody who cared. And the way we treat people you become the only Jesus they know. What's that? Yeah, it's exactly right. So I, I think, you know, we have to care about other people. We have to be that neighbor. And it may not, you know, probably the word friend um, would be cl- a closer understanding of who we're talking about here. But, you know, you can you can meet someone and minister to them and help them and be a blessing to them. And they're they're your friend. (laughs) You know, all of a sudden they're your friend because you reached out to them. They reached out to you. And now all of a sudden there's a relationship and the relationship is based upon us meeting the needs of other people. And I'm a great believer that we were created in our mother's womb to be a blessing to other people. It is one of the things that we were created for. I believe one thing, we were created to worship God. We are, we are created worshipers to, to worship the Lord our God. And, and it satisfies a, a need that is within us to worship God. But another thing is that we were created to be a blessing and help and be a neighbor and care for and be a blessing to others. That's why it's such a tragedy that it seems like the world we're living up in is everybody is against everybody. Everybody hates everybody. And and it just seems like everything is, is, we're such a divided nation today. Uh, And and it's, it's such a tragedy because it's not who we are created to be. It's not God's plan for our life. God's plan is that we would learn to be a blessing to one another. So, we're going to look at Proverbs 24. We're going to look at some of the principles um, that I think are here. Um, the first one, number one, uh, who is a neighbor? Uh, or excuse me, how do we treat our neighbor? The first one is, uh, I would say, be patient with your neighbor. 
Don't you love that word patient? Anybody in here have a little difficulty being patient? No? Yes? Yes? Well, it, it's, it's one of those things we all struggle with. And if they'd just hurry up, we wouldn't have to be patient. Look, look if you would, at Proverbs 25, verse 8, in the context of being patient with your neighbor. It says, don't be in a hurry to go to court. But what will you do in the end if your neighbor deals you a shameful defeat? And the idea here is really not talking so much about going to court as it is that if you get in a hurry and you get impatient and you get angry with the person and you say you take them to court or you say you start talking bad about them. Maybe it's somebody you know. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, you find out you didn't know all the facts. Is everybody kind of figured out that it's easy not to get all the facts? It's, it's easy not to have the whole story. And the picture that's being painted here, don't get in such a hurry to make a decision or make a predetermined judgment about a situation. Because what are you going to do when, you, when you've got egg on your face and it didn't turn out? the way you thought, and they didn't say what you thought they said, or even worse, they didn't say what someone said they said. Y'all have experienced that, huh? Somebody said that somebody said this, and then you're all mad at them because they said that, and you can't believe they said that, and now you're mad at them, and now you tell about ten people because I'm so mad at them because they said this. And then one day you meet that person who said that and in talking with them, you find out they didn't say it. It might have been somebody else. It might have been said differently. Or someone that spread that had an agenda. You know, people get agendas and they have these purposes and plans and and they want to tear somebody else down because some people make themselves feel good by tearing other people down. And so they just lie. And so it is so important in dealing really with a friend or a neighbor. And that is be patient and don't prejudge what it looks like at the beginning. Because it may not be exactly the way it looks. Anybody ever had that happen to you? Y'all know what I'm talking about. It just, you, you thought you saw a situation. You thought you heard something. You thought someone said that. But then when all the facts get in, now all of a sudden it's a whole new ball game. It's a whole new step. Something else happened. Another passage along those same line, and that is, It kind of deals with something very similar. Uh, James 1, verse 3 and 4, just talking about patience. Of course, in this translation, it uses the word endurance, but but it's the same idea. James 1, verse 3 says, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance or your patience has a chance to grow. So the idea is that when you go through situations, that's an opportunity for your patience to grow. So that's why... 
says in the New Testament, think it not strange that you're going through these fiery trials for you go through these fiery trials. It allows your faith, your patience, your endurance to grow. And so instead of being mad that you're going through this situation, instead you say, thank you, Lord, that now my endurance or my patience has the opportunity to grow. It has the opportunity to grow up a notch. And, and, and we, we learn to... Let me just ask you, what do you think is the key to learning patience? What do you think? Going through trials, okay? Penny? Be still and know that I'm God, okay? Like that, something else? What do you think, Deidre? Pray more, okay, I like that, yeah. Understanding, okay? Yeah. Estelle? And and I think it's so nice when someone is patient with us. And we need it. Robbie? Have kids. (laughs) Breathe. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. And I think all these things help us to develop patience. Being married... Having a relationship, a caring, loving relationship, uh, because there's lots of giving and taking and forgiving, and it has to be. And and same thing with kids. You got kids, um, you know. You just um, lots of patience because things are not always perfect. You know, it's really bad. You got a lot of kids, and you like a perfect house. That, that's a recipe for disaster. You know, that, that, that's like hair grow out and, and you know, because the truth of it is, if you've got a lot of kids, your house is not going to be perfect, at least for not very long. You know, maybe for a few minutes, it might be even until, the, you know, while they're asleep, you know, you can get it looking good. Uh, but anyway, it just, I think the, the thing here that we see is be patient. Another one is in Hebrews uh, chapter 6, verse 12. It says, then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. So that's how we inherit God's promises is not just by faith, but it's faith and endurance, faith and patience. And going back to misunderstanding what people say. Why is it so easy to misunderstand what someone says or what they do? Why is that so easy? Why does that happen so many times? Because it does. It happens all the time. So why does that happen? What do you think, Ed? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, as parents, boy, talk about having kids. You've got to be careful. You know, you want to discipline your kids but sometimes we want to discipline our kids before we know the whole story. 
And, you know, I, I remember getting a whipping when I was growing up and thinking, you know, my daddy really jumped off and, and didn't really hear the whole story. And I remember several times that once he knew the whole story, he had to come back and apologize. But, you know, it's hard to take back a whipping. You know, it really is. It's made my mind feel a little better, but my rear end still hurt. But, uh, you know, we recover from that, thank God. But it is so easy to misunderstand without having all the facts or getting it in the proper context. Penny? Yeah, yeah. I read someone said that, you know, so many times we listen to reply rather than listen to understand. And while we're listening, we're building our argument for our next comment rather than listening to truly understanding their heart and where they're coming from and what's going on and and really trying to understand what's what, where their heart is coming from. And so. Learning to listen with a tender ear, sensitive ear, helps us to not misunderstand uh, where they're coming from, uh, where they're, what they're saying and why they're saying it. And it's those misunderstandings that usually get us into trouble. So if we're going to treat our neighbor right, the very first thing we're going to have to do is we're going to have to learn to be patient. We're going to have to be patient. Be careful, jump to conclusions. Second thing... Be honest with our neighbor. Look at Proverbs 25, verse 9. When arguing with your neighbor, don't betray another person's secret. And then if you jump all the way to the New Testament, 1 Peter 4, 8, says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. Just being honest. Boy, I want to tell you, you, it's so easy to lose friends over telling a lie, not being truthful. When your friend asks you, did you say this? Did you do this? Are you going to do this? You know, it's just so much. And, and you know, again, our culture, we have developed our culture around us. Is, it, it, it's like lying is okay. It's there's nothing wrong. It, the, the world is teaching there's nothing wrong with lying. And I want to tell you, if we don't teach it in church and we don't teach it at home, our kids are not going to be truthful. You may think your children are angels, but I want to tell you, they're not. And given the opportunity, they will lie. <laughs> and because they're learning it from the world. And so you've got to extol the virtue and the importance of telling the truth. I remember, you know, the rule in our home was, you know, if, if my dad was going to give one lick for whatever we did, it's double if you tell a lie. Twice the punishment for a lie versus whatever it would have been for what I did. So he was, and really he was teaching a principle to all us kids, and that is lying was not acceptable and it would get you in a whole lot more trouble than what you did if you tried to cover it up by lying now unfortunately you know and i know our election is everybody's talking about who, about who's a liar 
And it's like they're competing to who's the biggest liar. <laughs> you know, I understand that. But despite all of that, no matter what they do, we're still supposed to tell the truth. And in dealing with our neighbor, you just think about it. You tell your neighbor about Jesus. You tell them you want them to come to church. You tell them about how God loves them. About even tell them the plan of salvation. And then a little bit later... A situation comes up and you lie to them. Everything you said about Jesus just went. You know, your whole testimony just went down the tube. So our our truthfulness bolsters and encourages and helps us in our witness. But our witness is not productive or fruitful or beneficial if we're not going to be truthful. Our witness has to match being truthful. So, obviously, another thing we've got to do, we've got to be honest with our neighbor. And sometimes, you know, I must say this right. It doesn't mean you have to be honest to the point to where you're going to hurt their feelings. You know, it's kind of like, you know, when you're when you get married and, and you, after you're married for a while, uh, and your wife says, uh, how does my hair look? Then if it looks like a, a bee's nest got into it, really you shouldn't say that. You know, and it's not so much as that you're not being honest, is that you just kind of, um, uh, help me, sweetheart. You're not going to help me? Uh, well, you just say those things that are beneficial for people. Say those things. And, and so you don't want to lie. You just say, sweetheart, that's, that's the most interesting hairstyle I have seen in a long time. You know, just something general that, that you're not, it's not a stone-faced lie, but, it, but it's, you know, you, you just wiggle your way out of that. But I will say this. Sometimes we need to not be so brutally honest that hurts someone's feelings. I think you can be considerate of their feelings uh, and, and just thinking about, you know, is what I'm going to say, is that really going to help them? Is that going to be beneficial? And if it's not, it's not beneficial for them, not beneficial for the kingdom of God, then find another way to say that. I, I don't think it's not being honest. I just think we don't need to be so brutally honest that it offends them or hurts them or hurts their feelings. I think we can be sensitive to to people about that third thing i see here in proverbs and that is be dependable my my what an important area be dependable with our neighbor look at verse 13 and 14 of proverbs 25 trustworthy messengers refresh like snow in summer they revive the spirit of their employer A person who promises a gift but doesn't give it is like clouds and wind that brings no rain. So, uh, you know, reliability, trustworthiness, uh, and and the picture there, verse 13, trustworthy, reliable messengers. And and the picture, and I know you may think, oh, hold it, snow in in the summer. Well, he's simply using comparative language. Uh, And he's trying to say, just think about how refreshing it would be and the hard summer while you're working and, and you're sweating, just think how a f- refreshing cool breeze or refreshing 
cool front that brings snow. Just think how that would be in the summer. And in the same way, how refreshing it is that we would have neighbors, friends who are reliable. You know, when someone says, I'm going to be at your house at 7 o'clock, that they actually are there at 7 o'clock. Or that if they say they're going to show up, they actually show up. Uh, Being reliable. You know, we have had, I'm just going to take a minute here. We've had this pumpkin patch here going on the last couple of weeks. And it has taken literally hundreds of volunteers to pull this off. But it has been an amazing witness for our community. We, have, we, we, we had people in church this last Sunday that came because they attended the pumpkin patch. And it was such a testimony. People were so friendly and loving to them. They wanted to come to church. You know, I'm believing people are going to get saved and born into the kingdom of God because of some pumpkins. You think, how crazy is that? But it's not pumpkins. It's just people are so hungry for people to love them and care about them and and hug them and and be compassionate to them and, and just be nice to them. And this and I just want to say we have had so many reliable neighbors so many reliable people and so many have volunteered, taken care of uh, different areas, uh, driving tractors for the hay rides and being a pumpkin in the little story and the farmer telling the story. You know, just so many areas. Uh, and I think, if I'm correct, by the end of the week, we will have ministered to, I think it's over 1,500 students from schools all around Terrebonne Parish. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, that's amazing. 1,500 kids that we've had through here uh, from different schools, uh, private and, and public schools. Uh, and we just got great reports from so many of them. But it's because of trustworthy, reliable volunteers. So I just want to say everybody who's been involved in this, thank you. Thank you. And when you tell Tina or whoever it is that you're going to show up, thank you for showing up. Because it's like a refreshing snow in the summer. And then the next verse, it gives the picture that, you know, don't say you're going to give something and then not give it. It'd be a whole lot better to keep your mouth shut. (laughs) You know, I remember when we started out, you know, just... You know, I I was, goodness, I was so naive. And we had so many people as we were starting out that would come and tell me, Brother Nate, I'm going to give you this and I'm going to give the church this and we're going to do this. I had this one guy, we're going to give a million dollars to the church. Boy, I got it, went home. I I told my wife, honey, God's going to give a million dollars. That's what he said. Well, yeah, well, you know how that worked, huh? It was all... Empty rain, empty storm, empty everything. It was just talk. Some people love to talk. And I guess while they're sitting there making these promises, they feel so important because you're so impressed that they're going to do this. But then when they walk away, they never intended to do that more than anything. So if we want to really be good neighbors and good friends... Don't promise anything you're not willing to give. You say you're going to give something, whether it's a little something or a big something, do it. 
And if for no other reason, be true to your word. Our, our nation, our world, our church, every church desperately needs people who will be men and women of their word. You say you're going to do it, do it. And even goes to, you know, if you tell a guy, you know, this happens, you know, you go to a garage sale or something and, and, and you say, okay, I'll buy it for that amount of money. And then somebody else comes along and offers them more money. And then you come back to get it. Well, I sold it. Well, you didn't say you're going to say, well, yeah, well, somebody offered me more. I would rather lose money on something and be true to my word than to be unfaithful. The whole, you know, this is where we've got to value our reputation and our word more than money. So anyway, if we're going to be a good neighbor, we've got to be willing to be dependable. Just some other uh, couple of verses that really deal with this. Um, I love this. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Verse 18 and 19. Telling lies about others is as harmful as hitting them with an axe, wounding them with a sword, and shooting them with a sharp arrow. Putting confidence in an unreliable person in times of trouble is like chewing with a broken tooth or walking on a lame foot. And that, that's pretty bad, chewing with a broken tooth. That's, that's bad news. But notice it says putting your confidence in an unreliable person in a critical situation. You desperately need someone to come through and they don't. It's just like chewing on with a broken tooth or, or having to make your way with a broken foot or a lame foot. Painful. And so, again, the idea is let's, let's be faithful. Another one, Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, many will say they're loyal friends, but who can find one who's truly reliable? Proverbs 17, 9, love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. Don't bear grudges. Let things go. And, And, you know, one way we let things go is you stop talking about it. Let it go. Don't bring it up. Don't keep a record of wrong suffered. Don't keep a little black book where you write down that and say, well, I forgive you. And then the next time something happens, you bring it up out of your little book. Don't do that. Let it go. And don't dwell on it. Uh, Proverbs seventeen seventeen: a friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in a time of need. Proverbs 27, 6, wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy so much better to have a sincere friend who will tell you the truth you know and i love that 1770 a friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in a time of need it is so encouraging when you're in a time of need you're hurting and you're tired and you're weary to have friends to come through you know we have something in our church called the meal train uh, and I know a lot of you cook, ladies, you cook for the meal train. What an amazing ministry because times when you're going through something and you're, somebody's hurt in the family or there's a death in the family and, you know, it's just what a blessing it is to cook a meal and help somebody in a time of need. Um, my wife and I, the house that we live in on Bellingrath Drive, uh, we were the first ones to build there on that street there. Uh, 
and we we hired someone to uh, I was a general contractor, so I hired somebody to do all the framing and do the outside. But I we finished the inside, and uh, yeah, that was a long and arduous, uh, <laughs> difficult thing. I mean, we were doing it obviously to save money, uh, trying to do as much work as we we could ourselves. And I want to tell you, one of the great great things was that so many people from the church would come by and they would help us. You know, we had worked all day long painting or mudding or putting up whatever, molding. And people from the church would show up and, and, you know, not even tell us. They'd just show up and say, what can we do? It was, And I thought about this verse when I, I remembered back. I thought, what an encouragement it was when you're in a time of need. There's somebody to pitch in there. You know, they didn't have to do a whole lot, just a couple of hours. Uh, but it's so encouraging in a time of need to have a brother who will come and help you and strengthen you. And it's amazing how you gain strength when others will help you and encourage you. So I want to encourage you to be that kind of person. And, you know, you've got you to develop eyes to see needs. You have to keep an ear open. Who has needs? Who's going through a hard time? Who can use some help? And if you'll... Be attentive to find out, finding people's needs. You can be a blessing to people in this time of need. And again, we started out all the way back at the beginning. Why do we need to learn how to be a good neighbor to treat people good? Because it's our witnesses at stake. This is the only Jesus people meet. And if we treat people well and they feel loved... They're going to be open to the gospel. They're going to be open to Jesus. They're going to be open to everything we have to say. And the last thing I want us to see here, and that is be considerate of our neighbor or with our neighbor. Proverbs twenty-five seventeen: Don't visit your neighbors too often, or you will wear out your welcome. And I love this one. It's in Proverbs twenty-five twenty: Singing cheerful songs to a person with a heavy heart is like taking someone's coat in cold weather or pouring vinegar in a wound. And 27.14, a loud and cheerful greeting early in the morning before you can have your cup of coffee will be taken as a curse. Now, I added the without the cup of coffee, but, you know, it just, you know, you, you it, what is this telling us we need to do? Be considerate. And and to me, the key to being considerate is think about others. Think about their needs, not ours. What a, You know, it's, life is not about us. It's not about what, you know, you may be this cheerful person that likes to get up and sing, this is the day the Lord has made, praise God, hallelujah. And other people, they don't. Even talk normal until about eight thirty or nine or nine. You know they and they need to have a couple of cups of coffee and they need to wake up. And if you be Mister or Mrs. Cheerful to them, they want to kill you. You know, in Jesus, they want to kill you. But be sensitive, be considerate of who they are, the timing, uh, the situation. You know. And kind of the idea here in verse 14, a loud and cheerful greeting early in the morning will be taken as a curse. You may be trying to be cheerful, but 
if it's too early and too loud, it's not received as cheerful. Uh, and the last one, what was that? Yeah. Uh, 26, 18, and 19, similar to this. Just as damaging as a madman shooting a de- deadly weapon is someone who lies to a friend and then says, I was only joking. I don't know if you've ever had anybody do something like that. But they say something cutting, deadly, hurtful. And then as soon as they realize they've done their harm, then they say, oh, I'm sorry, I was just teasing. Again, be considerate. Be sensitive to other people's needs. You know, be careful what you say. Be careful when you say it. Be careful how you say it. Because all of this, the way we treat others, reflects on who Jesus is in us. So I would encourage you, you know, even if you want to apply this to this terrible election cycle we're going through, be kind and merciful to other people. And if they tell you they're voting for somebody that you're not voting for, keep your mouth shut. (laughs) Wait till you get home to talk about them. All by yourself in the car alone or something like that. But you can lose your witness right there. You know, I, I, I've got a, a brother who lives up and works for the VA. Uh, he and his wife both work for the government and, and uh, they live up, I don't know, Washington, D.C., somewhere up there. They keep moving. I don't know where they live. But um, I, we, we can't talk about anything. Can't talk about the election, can't talk about anything because they're just different mindset, different thinking, just totally different. So I have to be careful what I say, you know. And, and I think, again, it's being considerate, just being tender, being sensitive. Uh, and our views are not so wonderfully important that we have to force them on anybody. And they have the right to believe what they believe. They really do, just like we have a right to believe what we do. And this is why we should pray. You know, this is why our best thing is to pray. And I am praying a lot for our nation, for our direction, our nation. But don't lose your witness, your testimony over a stupid election. Amen. So let's let's make a commitment tonight to... Um, be a good neighbor, be a good friend, and learn to be considerate, to be patient, to be kind, uh, to be honest, and to be dependable. And when you say something, be true to your word. Amen? Stand to your feet. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just bless you tonight. Father, help us to be the kind of witness to our neighbors and our friends, those that we meet. Lord, help us that everything we do, everything we say would be a good witness for you, Lord, and that we would be faithful 
witnesses for you, that our word would be yea and amen, would be faithful to our word, would be dependable, would be trustworthy, would be honest. Thank you, Lord, that all of these things are because you live inside of us and the Holy Spirit is living inside of us. And Lord, help us to do these things so that we can be a powerful, faithful witness for the name of Jesus. We bless the name of the Lord tonight and thank you for it in Jesus' name. All the people of God said amen. Amen.